It's Socialist Tuesday on So Organised Style Podcast. I'm Maria Theoharis or Velosos. Now let's grab a cuppa for today's podcast. So Organised Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognises the continuing connection to lands, waters and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging. A big sponsor shout out goes to our two podcast friends and sponsors. The Australian Sewing Guild, who has been our Monday Daily Series regular, is now a sponsor of Sew Organised Style Podcast. Go to ozsew.org to check out the online workshops, sew-alongs, skills library and more. Our second sponsor is Tatiana's School of Couture as she launches it online. Go to her website to see her new online sewing classes and patterns. Morning everyone and welcome back to today's episode of Socialist Tuesday. Today's guest is Gabby, the fit guru for the socialist, and today we're going to concentrate on a different topic and we'll talk about that shortly. Hi Gabby, thanks for coming back. Hi Maria, I'm glad to be here. I'm so glad that you've given us your time again today to be on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure. During All Chess Welcome Month on The Socialist, you did a really good blog post around measuring your chest to get the right sizing for what you wear on your chest. Yes. (laughs) And so for our listeners, I'll have a link to the article that Gabby has written. It's on The Socialist blog. Talk us through that because it was really good around the information that you provided, but also the terminology that you were using or proposing. Yeah, absolutely. So I used a lot of different, you know, like kind of like I always do, try to link back to people who have talked about this subject before. So Curvy Sewing Collective has a really excellent guide on cup sizes and how to use those to choose your pattern size. When I was a teenager, I used to sew home sewing patterns. And then I went to college and I worked professionally and, you know, you get home from work at night and you're exhausted because you've been talking clothes all day long. And that's the very last thing you want to think about. So I haven't sewn for myself in quite some time. And when I did, it was always something that I just made up or draped myself or, you know. So this entree back into the world of home sewing patterns has been super, super interesting to me in the last couple of years because I don't remember this whole cup size thing from before. But, you know, I was a teenager. Who knows? So it was really, really fascinating to me to dive back into this and be like, hold on a second. We're calling things cup size, but there's no cup. There's already verbiage that refers back to bras themselves and lingerie and swim. So I don't understand how this relates to garments at all. And it's incredibly confusing. So for me, it just made more sense in my head to think about it as chest projection because that's really what it is. It's the amount that the breast tissue or fat or muscle or whatever it is lifts off your rib cage. So from where you're taking your measurements, you're taking it at your high bust and your full bust and your under bust. And then all those measurements relate to each other to choose a size, but just call it that. Like there's no reason to say cup because it just confuses the matter. And then what makes it worse for me is that bras themselves are alpha sized meaning they use an alphabetical naming system. So an A cup, a B cup, a C or D. And then this pattern cup sizes also uses the same naming convention. So it even it makes mm. it even crazier. So 
I've talked to people who will make a pattern based on what they think their cup size is based on their bra size and then don't understand why it doesn't fit. Hmm. So I really feel like there's, there's got to be an easier way to make people understand what that is without having a huge page of callouts or, you know, even the big four website. I think they're somethingdelightful.com now, but they even have a page yes. of how to measure and choose your size using cup size. But that's nowhere on the back of a pattern envelope. So I don't know how anybody's supposed to, if they're, you know, at their fabric store and they just pick up a paper pattern to know that without having done, you know, hours of internet research. So I, I just feel like you might as well just call it chest projection. So when you're describing chest projection or chest prominence, chest, chest projection. projection, yeah, because it's really, so your rib cage is on most people sort of sits down at an angle and then your tissue sits on top here. So you're measuring here and then you're measuring how far out and up it comes and extends into space rather than, you know, just a width measurement increasing. A couple of weeks ago, Amelia came onto the podcast and they were talking about using gender neutral terminology. Yes. And so I wanted to ask you about that as well. I mean, I think it absolutely makes sense. I think it's something that is a huge ask in terms of what that means down the road. And the reason I say that is because clothing fit is designed based on the two main biological sexes. So male versus female. And then there are categories within that, like I mentioned on the previous one about big and tall or straight size or kids or, you know, all those body shapes and variations within those two main compartments. But also historically, when you think about how apparel has been designed and used, it's always been for these two main sexes. So a lot of the terminology is very genderized. So something like a princess seam, for example. Yes. You could call it a side panel seam that is just as clear, and if not more clear, than a princess seam, especially for somebody coming in as a new sewist who might not know what that means. Because I was trying to think of a different term for princess seam, and that's exactly, it's a side panel seam. Mm -hmm. And it can start from any point and cover any point. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think where things get a little bit hairy is where you get to that very traditional men versus women. So what do you call it then? And um, Amelia had an excellent point about just calling it clothing for people or adults or breaking it up by age group, which, okay, so adults, kids or adults, juniors, whatever that looks like. So it's an interesting thing to think about. And I, I honestly feel like there's a lot in apparel that is very overtly feminine or very overtly male in the traditional sense that could easily, easily be renamed. But then of course, you know, are we breaking down traditions and blah, blah, blah. And is that a good thing? And you know, like what is the history of the term princess seam even? So yeah, it's, it's really interesting to think about. And I honestly, I feel like it's a great idea, but the how of how to do it is where I haven't quite figured out all the, all the steps yet. I think it's an ongoing conversation to be had because you've got traditional terminologies that are understood by a generation that has lived and breathed it, mm -hmm. but then you've got a generation that's coming through and they're questioning all of that mm -hmm. and asking for gender neutral terminology to be used. And that way it becomes more available to the wider public. 
It's really interesting. It really, really is. I consider myself a proto-millennial because I'm on the very cusp of millennial before we start to use the kids who grew up on computers. Like I remember when I didn't have one. So I think it is, it is a very valid thing to say. We just didn't have that in our time. We just didn't grow up with that. That's not how we were taught. But you know, of course, everybody is learning all these new things. Well, why can't we change it? I'm a huge fan of being in that camp of, okay, so this isn't working. Well, let's go ahead and change it. Let's do it. There's no reason, just because it always has been like that doesn't mean it has to stay that way. The other thing that I was thinking was that in the same vein, if something isn't working, let's look at another way of doing it, as well as when you've learned a technique in sewing, there's no reason why you can't look at other techniques because you're the sewer and you need to be able to make the decision around, okay, I'm making this project. Normally I would have done a French seam, but it's not going to work. What are the other options? Yes, absolutely. And I feel like that is especially applicable here in terms of this conversation, mm-hmm. because when you talk about something like unisex clothing, this is really requiring, and I feel like this is kind of why we see a lot of unisex clothing that's very baggy and shapeless, because when you're really fitting for a body type, you get very mm-hmm. into the weeds, even though in ready-to-wear, you're fitting for the average of that body type, it's still like, okay, today I'm fitting for a white woman in her mid-40s who's had two kids and has the belly of somebody who's had two children. These are her measurements. This is her stance. She is white and this is how I think, how her body attains mass. So those are all the things that you think about when you're fitting specifically for that body type. So in an area like unisex Mm. clothing, it's really cool to be able to borrow style details from different you know categories and and sex umbrellas as it were but how do you really make something attainable fit wise something that's more fitted for unisex uh, not a unisex for unisex yeah it's really it's really interesting to think about and if you think about it in terms of what if there's a pattern company that's doing this you're really requiring the pattern maker to have knowledge of all these different body types And that's where, Mm. again, where things get really tricky. Like I went to college for four years to learn how to fit for one size body. And then I've been working, you know, over 15 years in the industry, learning how to fit various other bodies, but that's not the norm. Most people, when they work in an area like this, specialize in one fit. I do men's, I do women's, or I do kids. And that's it. They're very siloed. There are not a lot of people with experience in a lot of different areas. So to expect a pattern maker to come in and have all this knowledge and then say, okay, here's this pattern. If you have broad shoulders and a narrow waist, a triangular size body, this pattern has been designed for somebody with exactly the opposite. So here's how to adjust it or vice versa, or here's how to add dart, or here's how to, you know, shift your shoulder seam backwards. So it sits nicer over a larger, more muscular shoulder. It gets really interesting to think about the kind of hacks that will have to be available for those patterns. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I think it's worth doing, but it's going to be a while before we get there, I think. From a home sewer's perspective, which is myself, the way I feel is that as long as I know how to make adjustments to fit a body, Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what the body type Mm -hmm. is. I think that's how a home sewer has got one over the pattern companies to be able to take a style that looks okay that you can then adjust to that body 
no matter what sort of body it is. Right, exactly. And I feel like that is what's been so interesting about this transition from ready to wear to Mm. home sewing is, number one, the terminology in terms of pattern corrections. When I first heard full bust adjustment, I was like, what does that even mean? I would never tell a factory to do that. That just doesn't, what? (laughs) You know, all the name things that I'm just used to, like, oh, we'll increase here and take this up and then you do this and then you balance it and done. You know, you think about it in a very, very different way, but you're absolutely right. You know, once you know what the body is and you know how to mold the garment for it, then it's game over. It's great. So fitting is our superpower as home sewers. Right. Yes, absolutely. I feel like a lot of home sewers that I've met actually have more knowledge than some people that I've met in the ready-to-wear industry, simply because Mm. of what you just said. You're forced to do this and fit it yourself with your hands every day that you want to make something. You're not concentrating on construction details. You're not concentrating on conversations with so-and-so about the price of a button. You know, you're, this is what, you're in the weeds of it every day. Exactly. Uh, listeners, I'm hoping that you've gotten something out of this discussion that Gabby has helped us through. It's not just around using gender-neutral terminology, but I think as a home sewer, if you work on the skill of being able to fit to meet the body, I think you're one step ahead of everybody else in the game. I totally agree. Yes. <laughs> I feel like once you have the fit down, then, you know, once you feel confident in making those corrections for yourself or for another person, it changes everything and you don't have to feel so worried about, can I experiment with this? Can I make this change? Is this by the book? It doesn't have to be by the book. If it works for you, it yes. works for you and that's how you should do it, which is really, really great um, coming from ready to wear because things are not like that at all. So to have that freedom to say, okay, well, this is asymmetrical and I designed it that way. Ha ha ha. So (laughs) it's uh, it's really great. That's brilliant. Thanks a lot, Gabby, for talking us through all of those issues because as someone who's worked in ready to wear and now looking at it from home sewing, it's been a really valuable conversation for our listeners. Oh, good. Thank you so much for having me. It was really great to talk to you. Thanks a lot, Gabby. Thanks, Maria. And have a nice day, listeners. This episode of Sew Organized Style podcast was produced by me, Maria Theoharis, with permission of Gabby Brown. Sound by bensound.com. You can subscribe to Sew Organized Style podcast, spelled with an S, not a Z, on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Castbox, and Lipson, our podcast distributor. Post any questions or podcast suggestions you have on our Instagram account or on our Facebook page. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.